Cosmetic Podcast. This podcast amplifies the topics you want to hear about. Cosmetic means being a person or thing that gives rise to a phenomenon that is dynamic or energizing. Globally minded and locally focused. I'm Rodrigo Ross. I'm Keith Benson. So today we are talking about the Circle of Life, Volume Two. We had the opportunity to do Volume One, um, talking uh, talking with uh, the women, and so now the fellas are on deck, and we are talking about having a network or a circle of friends that lift you, that celebrate you, that push you to be better, that make you a better person. So a little bit of backstory, a little bit of history. When it comes to our health, most of us are well aware the basics. You have to eat right, you have to exercise, get plenty of sleep, drink water, all that wonderful stuff. But research is showing that um, in your overall wellness journey, the importance of relationship plays a major, major factor. And so Keith, I am going to let you introduce this amazing crew that you have assembled today to talk to us about the idea of the circle of life and that brotherhood. I'm glad to have on some friends, some mentors uh, from my time in the YMCA. First, I want to introduce Mr. David Brown. He's the CEO of the YMCA of the Capital District. Uh, the man Brown. Say it. David Brown. Thank you. The man who brought together 9,000 people on this call, the largest event yes. ever in the YMCA. Yes. And of course, he did it with a team of people. And part of that team, uh, Mr. Michael Duvall, the strategist, uh, the man who is leading our charge for the boards of color uh, throughout the YMCA movement. And then there's Mr. Michael Ferris the National Director of Diversity and Inclusion. These guys right here have been a support to me in so many different ways. I remember uh, even during the pandemic, Michael Ferris and I just had this conversation about, hey, what's going on, man? I just wanted to reach out to you to find out how you feeling, how's, this, how's your why doing? And uh, David uh, Brown just texting back and forth here. David sent me this inspiring speech that he had the opportunity to present to a group of people uh, for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Yes, I, still got I it saw that. Go on month. YouTube and look that up. David Brown, yeah. District Wide. It will change you, your you, life. Yes. Something with that, man, because that thing that thing was uh, was moving. And uh, then just a few weeks ago, me and uh, Michael Duvall was having a conversation just about the why and just all the stuff that is going on in our society today. So, fellas, I'm so glad that you guys are with us today to uh, we can all talk about this whole thing of brotherhood and all the things that are going on in our society today. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited that I get to to be on the fly on the wall during this whole thing, y'all. I'm feeling real fancy today. Not gonna lie. So let me jump right in, right? And I am, I'm really curious. I want to know, I want to hear from you guys. How are you all experiencing the world right now, right? Like you guys all inhabit influential spaces. There are thousands of people that kind of just wait to hear what you have to say and, and what you think. How are you experiencing the world right here, right now, 2020? So I guess I'll go first again, uh, thinking about the age, the youngest goes first. And well, I'm the, younger than you, know, you the, but you might want to be I'm right? talking about the guys, Roderick. We're going to check IDs in a little while. <laughs> right. um, I, I, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, thankful to be a part of this uh, mixtape volume two uh, <laughs> as we wrap, dive deeper into this conversation. I think for me, just experiencing uh, the world and the space that we're in right now, uh, I think that it, it, this is probably the best time, uh, especially around this work and in, in social justice and 
uh, anti-racism to be a part of our organization uh, that really aligns with my deep passion for the the work of the Y and then bring it together uh, some of the external pieces of us unpacking, you know, systemic uh, issues. And, you know, I wouldn't be able to do any of that if I didn't have the support of the people on this call, you know, not just these uh, three gentlemen that are here uh, that have helped hold me accountable uh, for how I've uh, shown up, but also being true to my my authentic self and not trading that in uh, for anything. And they've helped hold me accountable to that and, and also elevating, you know, my voice in spaces. So I've appreciated the three of them as well as you, Rodrigo. You you have done that as well. So I, I know it's all a collective effort. See, I'm part of the boys conversation. You know, I'm part of the boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, mm. I want to give you a, a shout out too, Rodrigo, because as we began to de develop the uh, Boys of Color work. As you know, right from the African-American CEO work, you were on the original uh, group that helped uh, shape the, the, the strategy because we're going to need everybody. We yes, indeed. Need somebody. Yes, we need indeed. Everybody. I'm a mother of two boys of color. So, <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. So we, yes, indeed. You know, from indeed. the sisters out there, you know, we're going to need everybody in the village, right? And the, right. the women are the backbone of our existence anyway, right? So it's, yep. it's where it works. I would say the... Uh, I like Michael's, and I think the top of the hour, you actually spoke about well-being. I think the well-being is really important. But self-love is the best love, right? Mm. Uh, hard to love somebody else until you love yourself first. Right. So I would say broadly, you know, we as black men uh, need to love self. Then we need to be collective, right? As I think I say, the, you know, the, the new world order is to divide, you know, divide the work so that we can conquer the system. And, yeah. and clarity is really important. So I just say this last point before we pass it on to the wisdom wise Dave Brown. But uh, is, you know, we have to realize too, there's some colonization in our system. There's mm -hmm. some black water. And uh, yet at the same time, we can stay our own boat. So to me, yeah. as I tell people, there's no better time to be black than right now. Right now, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just claim black and brown, right? Because we never give up our power. Yeah. We can give up the control of the prediction because actually God is in control of that. But the, the den of thieves will come for our temple. And if we don't stay collective, right, this is a turning over the table moment. So let's yeah. turn it over, right? But God asked two questions in that, right? If you remember in Matthew, he asked you if you are unprepared or unshaken. Hmm. Be unshaken. Hmm. We have been preparing for this one moment. <laughs> yeah. We've been to have church up in here, Dave. You know, right, you right. still off the benediction or, or what? Pat, pat. <laughs> Senior Pastor Z. David Brown, come on and uh. <laughs> uh, well, well, you know, I would I would just echo what uh, the two Michaels said, and uh, what I would say is what I'm seeing more now is people are looking more for the Y to provide leadership. Yeah. And even though the Y was providing that leadership before, I'm not sure that folks heard it or wanted to hear it. And now I think people are looking uh, for the why to provide that leadership, which is why we had such a great turnout on the uh, town hall meeting for undoing systemic racism. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I found here locally in Albany, I'm getting phone calls from newspapers to do interviews, to discuss the matter. I've been asked to be on a number of um, you know virtual uh, conferences, uh, panel discussions to discuss uh, systemic racism. And uh, I'm, I think, you know, what's happened is this eight minutes and 46 seconds 
of one man putting his knee on someone's neck really negated all the criticism of another man taking a knee to say we can't be doing this. And, um, you know, the stance that Colin Kaepernick took uh, by taking a knee, a lot lot of people have tried to say, well, you know, he was opposed to the flag. Well, now what he was saying is he's opposed to black men being murdered by police officers. So now we're asking America, which knee are you more upset about? And Mm. in turn, I think more people are coming to um, people like myself, Michael Duvall, Michael Ferris, and asking us for our perspective Mm. on it. That one knee for eight minutes and 46 seconds opened up the eyes of millions of people to say, boy, people of color have been going through this all along. We just never saw it because it wasn't being videotaped. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So So happening is there's more honest dialogue now absolutely so recognizing that none of you guys just kind of woke up and was the age that you are today not that i'm saying anybody is old well keith is kind of old but it's fine (laughs) he's still you know he still got some good years left in him uh talk about the importance of boys of color right and then making that transition and being able to see you guys and spirited and truth doing the work but still having the like mike Duvall said have to navigate this system right that is just not structured to make them successful and of course i'm going to toss it to so before i do that let me just call out the elephant in a room the two illustrious members of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, who are amongst us today, Mr. Michael Duvall, Mr. Michael Brown, I would be remiss, and plus they gave me a little sponsorship money. I ain't, I'm not going to lie. Go ahead and put that in there. <laughs> but Mike, talk to us, Michael Duvall, talk to us about the Boys of Color Initiative and the why, and then the broader implications that it's having on you, you guys as men of color. Well, I'll start out, because I, I do want to honor, I think, Rodriguez, again, you were on that original team. It came out of the African-American CEOs under Dave's leadership. Uh, we spent, I don't know, Dave, uh, almost a day uh, focusing on it. And yep. if you go back in our history, right, it's it's kind of a weird thing anyway, right? Because people ask me always like, well, when did you start working on Boys of Color? When did the Y start focusing on it? You know what I tell them? 1853. Right. right? When Anthony right. created the first Y, we weren't even dealing with anybody other than boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go back in the history, we were known as an organization who focused on, um, you know, taking boys to men, right? So there's a book called actually Manhood Factories because that's what we were known as uh, in uh, the late uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So to come back to it for a second, because I don't want to lose this, the fact that we have four men on this call, right, mm-hmm. is unusual in the sense if you look broadly at the why, right? Yeah. In our systems, we don't have a lot of men of color working for the system. So I right. think we got to be clear. One of the reasons that we have to go to Boys of Color is so that we can see more men working for the organization. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I think you know that that is what I would say broadly is so really important. The other is if you look at any data and you understand this targeted universalism strategy, no city will heal itself until boys of color actually get better. Right. Because, because the data tells you we're actually holding back systems because the systems were set up against us. So if you are white and you say, what can I do? You can acknowledge boys of color because the reason schools are not doing as well, the reason that you may be creating more takers of taxes rather than makers of taxes is because the system was designed to hold us down. Mm. And so 
white girls can't do better <laughs> unless mm-hmm. better. And so mm-hmm. it's not really about just, I think, boys of color getting better. The community gets better when we get better. Absolutely. So, Mr. Brown, uh, Michael said this was kind of your onus. You galvanized the folks. I remember being a part of that. I was super excited that we were even being courageous enough to enter that space as an organization. What made you decide, okay, this is the time. This is the focus. Let's do it. Well, you know, there was a number of issues going on in the YMCA around folks um, not being promoted for jobs and feeling that they were um, being passed over. And um, I had come up through the Y, um, you know, really being mentored by, you know, Ron Sargent, who was the CEO of the Plainfield Y in New Jersey, where I grew up, Um, you know, Harold Mazel, Kevin Washington. And one of the things that I remember early on in my career was the Black Service Conference. And because of the Black Service Conference, I got connected to so many um, you know, African-American professionals and, and people of color in the movement. And we had moved away from that in the Y. And so I just felt like it was time for us to reconvene um, the group. There was a small group of African-American CEOs meeting. And the more we met, the more we talked, the more I felt like we need to include everybody. And so there's 38 African-American CEOs. And I think three years ago, we had our first conference. But when we got together and we talked, we recognized how much power and how many resources we had in the room. And we said, we can't just get together to socialize. Something has to come out of this. And through those conversations, we came up with the Boys of Color Initiative. Mm, Excellent. So Mike. Can I, can I add one, one thing I think is really important for, for your listening viewers to understand? It is actually rooted in data. So hmm. when you go back to um, Raj Chetty's data, where, yeah. you know, basically he's saying there's a fading American dream, it, 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 is, it is by definition of the national data, uh, it would, we would consider it a national pandemic. And so we, we also have to go back to the data uh, and let me just read this one little quote because I think it's really important. It's actually about a sister from uh, that works for the Brookings Institute. So I think it sets the table for something Dave was saying a little bit early on the knee. Uh, she says, her name is Camille Busset, and you can look on this. It's actually um, uh, on online. To be, to be male, poor, and either African-American or Native American is to confront on a daily basis a deeply held racism that exists in every social institution. Mm. So that's from the data. That's the national data. Yeah. Right. I would expand because sometimes Native American and or black are also Latinx. So I think if you add that flavor in there, but basically that's what I'm saying is I think people got to understand the blood is in the water Mm -hmm. and we got to really acknowledge the truth. And, you know, Claude, Dave and Angie Reese Hawkins and a few others who, you know, we had some national leaders in that room talking data, Dave, and, you know, I mean, you can't deny it. The truth is... uh, is in the information. Yeah, and if I could just add, what what really drove our conversation was at the time of our conference, uh, an article had just come out in the um, New York Times, and it said, punishing data of boys of color shows that they have no future. And when you read this article and you looked at the statistics uh, that was saying that even a successful African-American professional now, their children will do far worse than they did. Wow. And 
it really moved all of us to say we have to we you know we have to do something. So Mike is spot on uh, about the data, but it was this one article uh, that said punishing data of boys of color or African American children uh, shows bleak future. That really inspired the group to step forward and say we got to fix this. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Looking you know, at Texas, there's data in Texas that shows that within um, 10 zip codes is the most populated uh, part of our of our jail system in Texas. You know, Texas mm-hmm. is one of the largest states in the country, but all of those come from this central area here in the Dallas area that Rodrigo and myself get to work in. And mm-hmm. what's amazing is that when people talk about where everybody has the same opportunity. Well, it can't be the case because our jails are more populated at a higher percentage than what, you know, our population, you know, just in America is. And so somewhere the system is failing, uh, failing our, our boys of color. And we got to be able to be in that space and be more bold about it. Mm-hmm. You want to add anything, Mr. Michael Ferris? Yeah, the the only thing that I would continue to elevate that I think, you know, both Mike and Dave touched on uh, as well as Keith is this where we are is a pivotal moment where we have all of these uh, pandemics crashing Mm -hmm. into one another. Right. So we have the the of. Uh, COVID-19 that that is brought some additional uh, things into our communities that we're seeing disproportionately impacting us. And the overlay of the two most most relevant and longstanding pandemics of poverty or classism and racism within our country. And so when we think about how all three of those things came together to uh, to bring about this conversation of not just us undoing uh, within the why, but how do we unlearn anything that we have been taught to elevate some of those conversations to get to the point of we can't all, we all can't pull ourselves up to quote uh, Mayor Stephen Reed pull ourselves up by our bootstraps if you don't have boots right <laughs> so yeah. how are you going to do that? Yeah. Uh, to be on a level playing field with everyone else. that And that's something that I think we as an organization are recognizing. It's something that we have had conversations about within our small circles. However, I think more folks are listening to those people. And it's an, it's an awakening that is happening not only within the Y, but within our greater society as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I can imagine that the the blessing and the burden of of being uh, a black man of color, inhabiting these spaces of influence, understanding the dynamic that um, focusing on boys of color and the ramifications it could have for society as a whole. Um, but what gives you guys hope? What makes y'all hopeful? What makes you just get up and do it next day? I'm tired today, but I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to keep going. What gives you hope? You know, I say for me, man, is brothers like uh, Duvall, uh, David, uh, Ferris, is that people that I know I can I can call on, mm-hmm. uh, people that's going to give me that insight. And so they're not going to withhold information that's going to help me to take a step forward. Uh, just, you know, brothers that will help you maneuver the system and also to, hey, man, I need you to put this in the room for me. And they're willing to the willingness to do that right there. Um, I would tell you from a CEO perspective, Dave Brown has been like the number one 
person for me to be able to call in that CEO space that I can text Dave and I know within five minutes I'm getting a text back. Yep. Yep. Um, and for me, that's appreciative because yeah, I, I get it because I'll ask yeah. Dave something and he going to tell me the truth. I'll get on an idea and he'll be like, no. <laughs> Right. Okay, Mr. Brown. I'll be back with another idea. So he, he does that to y'all too. He's consistent. I'll be ready for him with a good idea. And he just and he's so eloquent with it. Just well, no. Okay. I gotta find people too. I just you know, just because I'm gonna expand Dave a little bit. Dave is married to a Latinx woman, man. I say, like, look, that brother ain't walking in that house without truth telling. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, hold up, brother. You, you are you not in that same space too, though? Well, same space, but I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I got a truth telling wife. That's right. But that's what we need, right? Is our partners is what holds us up high and keeps yeah. us truthful and honest. Yeah, yeah. it's in our wife's handbook. It's that's like number two, the lesson number two. <laughs> in our handbook, y'all. It's true. Yeah, let me tell you what gives you. Oh, no, Michael. Ahead, Michael. Go. No, Michael. Uh, yeah. um, I would say I think for me it's our our youth um, mm-hmm. and their connection to not only uh, social justice but doing what's right. I think you know, although I don't have uh, boys in my home, I have uh, two daughters. Uh, oh. One I, I call her a, uh, my oldest, a young Angela Davis. Like she is yeah. all about social justice and moving and, and un- unpacking those those histories. But it gives me hope that we are not. Uh, by the time she is uh, in her fifties or sixties, by t- by twenty uh, eighty. Uh, that she's not talking about, well, you know, we had these marches and protests and demonstrations in 2020, and we're still doing them at this time, that there has been some change because our young people are more aware. She's a, She's got more exposure to things and is more aware of things that I wasn't aware of until maybe I went to college. And right. she's having deeper conversations around uh, systems level thinking that she's unpacking at eight years old, which Mm -hmm. gives me hope for uh, the systemic changes that we want to make. So our young people and then just the level of conversation that we're having within the organization as a whole, I think is on a whole nother level than what it was previously. Uh, And it's due to a lot of the consistent uh, push from uh, individuals on this call and then other individuals in the movement that, you know, it gives me hope that I can't uh, get tired. Uh, we, yeah. you know, we had uh, con- Congressman John Lewis who recently uh, passed away and who has been doing, had been doing this work for so long. So for me, I can't look at this and be like, oh man, I'm so exhausted, I'm tired, which rightfully so, but there's some so many people that have come before me that I I can't be tired because I'm standing on the on the shoulders of those giants to press forward. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to add, I, and that was my fault. We got two Michaels. I probably should have been specific when I said <laughs> Michael. Well, yeah, I'll ask you, let, let, yeah. let the wise uh, Dave Brown sort of wrap us up. But uh, you know what I would say is that there's a. Uh, let me tell you what gives me hope every single day I walk in. One is I'm 58, so I've seen it before. Mm-hmm. And just to make sure Michael, right, is, you know, Gordon Mack, uh, I think about uh, people when I came into the movement, 
um, uh, Gordon Mack. I even would say Solon Cousins, I think, was probably the closest to as a white man who understood the black plight. I also grew up in an African-American Y, Emerson Street branch in uh, Evanston. So it's not like I haven't seen it or experienced it before. Uh, the last thing I would say, I think that is just magical that uh, I keep telling Dave Brown not to, um, you know, just sort of skip over or minimize. When Dave, well, we, we meet as an African-American group once a year. We decided very quickly to shift to a town hall. And at one point in time, we were talking about hundreds of people. But what I saw is, at that moment, what makes me hopeful is everybody stayed personal, right? Personal action leads to collective action. We all got behind Dave, mm -hmm. right? In a seven-week period, man, you get 9,000 people on the call. So right. to me, I say to people, right, and the fact that um, Kevin could talk about the Boys of Color work, right, we have been preparing for a year for a moment that happens that we're connecting with the, the My Brother's Keeper Alliance. So it's not like it's the preparation that was happening and the fact that we don't we are undoing what the systems have taught us, which is to divide ourselves and that Dave could inspire us to have and everybody just rose behind Dave. That to me is what provides so much inspiration and so much hope to go yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, c come on, Mr. Brown. We we waiting to hear. Brown football. Yeah, no, I I I appreciate all this praise. I really do. But um, that all of that that uh, both Michaels are talking about, um, you know, it was a team effort. We have a lot of talent in the African American CEO network, um, African American Resource Network, and all of those people help make it possible. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm just appreciative that they um, look to me to be um, the leadership or one of the leaders uh, in the group. I'll um, tell you what makes me hopeful is that um, I look at the YMCA as my ministry. You know, I'm reading a book right now about, you know, what is your purpose? And, you know, and I really believe that my purpose has been to deliver good work through the YMCA. And I've used the Y you know, as my ministry. And, and I'm just hopeful that I can reach one more person, one more child, one more family. And, you know, my, my, um, my heart is for children of color. You know, I love everyone, but specifically where I really am trying to make a difference is in the black community with black kids. Yeah. And when I look at um, what others have gone through and both these um, colleagues of mine and friends of mine, have talked about the standing on the shoulders of others and the debt that we have to pay, you know, going forward. When I look at John Lewis and CT Vivian, who just passed away, and I look at how they got their heads beaten in, uh, you know, I'm, no one's ever put a hand on me to, to mm -hmm. speak my mind or to say, hey, that's wrong, don't do that. And these men endured hardships that I can't even um, imagine and so, you know, I, I'll just echo what's already been said, because when I see that, I, I know I can't quit, you know, and, and I know there's days, trust me, believe me, there's days where I'm saying, why, why am I doing this? Um, but, you know, but there's good outcomes, um, you know, when you know that you've helped somebody else or you help make the world um, a better place, um, it, it does a lot for you. And I, and I really believe this, this is, I really believe that this is what, God put us here uh, to serve, you know, to help yeah. others and to build his kingdom. 
And, um, you know, I really believe that that's what uh, our mission and our purpose and our mission in life is. We just have to find, you know, what our lane is. And for me, it just happened to be the YMCA. Well, you know, Keith and I very rarely agree on anything, but I, I, I think I'm with you, brother. You you assembled a magnificent group today. So what would be your closing words to the group? How are you going to wrap us up? Yeah, I would say for us all, for all those who are listening on this call, uh, hopefully people hear the heart of black men. And for us to be even that much more bolder when we go into different spaces to allow our voices to be heard. Um, So because there's wisdom that is coming from out of all of this that is going on, that's going to take us another 20 to 30 years. But, you know, we have to sustain all of this right here because Really, you know, all of this is not new. Yeah, we got people protesting today. This generation today have seen it this way, but there was, as as Ferris mentioned earlier, there were people that already walked, uh, you know, before us, and now we're standing, you know, with those are shoulders that we get to stand on. And so how as black men all across the YMCA movement, all across our United States, all across the world, how are we going to move forward to be able to sustain this, to be able to change our systems, truly change our systems that we have in our workplaces and in our in our communities and cities? One powerful way that we get the chance to do that is by voting. Hopefully people yeah. are taking that, that opportunity to yeah. go into that booth, that one small booth, press those right buttons to be able to help change our society. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you guys. I am so excited that you all took out of your time and your busy schedule. I'm super excited y'all let the one girl um, with sequence sit in on a meeting and I wore pink glasses and all of you all's honor today. Mr. Michael Duvall, Mr. Michael Ferris and the Dave Brown. Thank you guys for joining us uh, on today. And thank you all for listening to the Cosmetic Podcast. Where our conversations are global. Globally minded and locally focused. Check us out. Leave us some comments on our website, ymcadallas.org slash Cosmetic. We'd like to hear about what is your circle of influence like. And as always, stay dynamic, stay energized, and stay Cosmetic.